where your money is invested, I would argue, other than your vote, is mm-hmm. probably the biggest tool you have for social change and creating the world you want. But most people haven't really thought about it that way. And they mm-hmm. and then the question becomes, well, how do I how do I find out what what do I do? Um, and so we can talk about that if you like. I think there's two big suggestions as sort of an easy on ramp to that conversation. This is a podcast called Walk Talk. Listen, an attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest. And he will introduce himself like we always do. Cory, can you please go ahead? Yeah, thanks for having me, Maurice. Um, my name is Corey Donovan. I'm the executive director of a nonprofit here in the Philadelphia area called Impact PHL. Uh, we are a, uh, an advocacy organization, not in a policy kind of way, but more in a drink milk kind of way, uh, to encourage and help people to align their financial assets with their values. And what that means is, I often describe sort of, a, most of us have been taught or assume this two-pocket version of making a living and doing good, where we uh, make money with our left hand through running a business or investments or employment, and then we do good with our right hand. Uh, through donating and volunteering, voting, or maybe even protesting. Uh, But meanwhile, our left hand is creating the problems that our right hand is trying to fix. And to me, that's fairly nonsensical. Uh, And so as an organization, we can talk more about that. But as an organization, um, we want to engage people in this conversation to to, to ask them to think about where their money sleeps at night and what it's doing and whether they're okay with that, um, whether that makes sense to them. To encourage them to be more intentional, uh, to get their their investment and their money out of the stuff that doesn't align with their values, and then to move up. I think about it as a continuum to move upward or down or, or on the continuum towards intentionality, towards aligning your money with uh, the things you care about in the world, the problems that because there are entrepreneurs and real estate developers and investments out there that need capital in order to create the good that they're doing in the world. And so, and here in Philadelphia, we have a, a vibrant ecosystem there, mm-hmm. um, and we have a lot of needs um, in terms of the social and environmental issues that we hope to alleviate. So really, that's what we're encouraging and asking people to do is to be intentional, and then for us here in Philadelphia is to think local. How could your money create impact right here in your own backyard? Uh, and then, you know, our role winds up being somewhat, um, I often say, squishy, because mm-hmm. we are, uh, again, I use a lot of metaphors, but more often than not, we're the steroid, not the muscle. So we're not mm-hmm. the ones trying to manage your money. Um, we're not the ones, set, we don't have anything to sell. What we want to do is engage people in the conversation. And when they say, yeah, that sounds interesting. I want to do that. We point them towards the people, the organizations, the investments, 
uh, that can help them align their financial assets with their values. Mm -hmm. And so that might mean encouraging business owners to better understand the B Lab, B Corp framework, mm -hmm. um, encouraging investors to take a look at investment opportunities or to use tools that can help them um, provide more insight to that. So your, your, your clients are both individuals as well as uh, companies, organizations? Yeah, so we'll really engage anyone up and down the wealth spectrum. So mm -hmm. family offices, foundations, high net worth individuals, mm -hmm. and also just average Joes like myself who have a 401k. Uh, for me, it's really important that everyone sees that this isn't just the job of Bill Gates and the Ford Foundation to mm -hmm. solve the world's problems, that every everyone has a role. And in fact, I think it's for you know the, the average Joes, if you will, or average Janes of us that once we can really see where our 401k or our retirement plans are invested, mm. I've seen a lot of really like wide-eyed aha moments of, oh my God, I had no idea my money was doing that. Yeah, yeah. And and how many years have you been doing this now? How old is the company? Yeah, so we're a nonprofit. We're 501c3 um, here in the US. And the initiative started five years ago. So July mm -hmm. will be five years from when we kicked it out the door. But uh, initially, it was more of an initiative, trying to mm -hmm. figure out what this was, yeah. you know, uh, but we incorporated it as a 501c3 uh, in July of 2018. Okay. And it, it's going well? Yeah, it's going well. I, I think um, COVID, climate change, and Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. really was sort of a triple whammy where a lot of people kind of hit pause and said, hold on, something something's not right. Something's mm -hmm. broken here, right? And And this idea of I want to, you know, I can play a role. Maybe I can do something differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are leaning into that conversation. And I think there's a lot of things you can do there. Like I said, donating or, or volunteering or going out and protesting. But I think that where your money sleeps at night, where your money is invested is a blind spot for people, right? Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. You know, you and I were talking before the podcast started. There's a lot of people I talk to who are like all in on something, right? Mm -hmm. So I spoke with a black woman who runs a DEI consulting firm. And then I showed her where her own money was invested in mm -hmm. her 401k plan. And she was, you know, she got an F in prisons, you know, mm -hmm. and that was, she had no idea, you know, and I've talked to a lot of different people. I won't give you all the examples, but this, uh, where your money is invested, I would argue, other than your vote is mm -hmm. probably the biggest tool you have for social change and creating the world you want but most people haven't really thought about it that way. And they, hmm. and then the question becomes, well, how do I, how do I find out what, what do I do? Um, and so we can talk about that if you like, I think there's two big suggestions as sort of an easy on ramp to that. conversation. Hmm. Great. I, I, I'm really fascinated by, by what you do because, you know, I, or, well, in our sector, we use uh, the phrase, you know, after a disaster or after an emergency, we need to build back better. Right. And um, I, I see in a way, you know, a, a lack of that while we are, you know, slowly, uh, depends a little bit where you are on, on, on the earth, you know, recovering from the COVID crisis. Um, of course, the whole Black Lives Matter, racial justice, is unfortunately a much longer uh, journey. Um, but if you if you take that concept, um, you know, too hard, it means you need to look at systematic issues, right? 
So um, internally as well as externally, and, and what you're trying to do and what you're offering with, with your company seems to be right there in terms of, of uh, yeah, doing, trying to find solutions that are much more structural. It's focused on, on, on Philadelphia, right? So um, have you, you know, are you planning to expand or do you know of other companies are doing this in other parts of, of the US or the world? So we are, we are Impact PHL and all of us are Philadelphians. So this was mm -hmm. started with a focus on how do we get Philadelphia? I mean, Philadelphia, uh, unfortunately, is the poorest big city in the country. And mm -hmm. we have a lot of issues, you know, that are tangential or related to poverty um, that we need to fix here. And yet we're not a poor region, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of wealth um, and a lot of people in the Philadelphia region. So our focus is on Philadelphia and our, our call to action is really twofold. Number one is be intentional with your money, know where mm -hmm. your money is and get it out of the stuff that you disagree with. Mm -hmm. The second call to action is uh, think about investing some of your money locally, right? Because I think when I ask people that question, they sort of sit back and go, you're right. Very little, if any of my money is actually invested locally. Um, so if you care about your backyard, um, and Amy Cortez uh, wrote a book on this, um, Loca Vesting. You know, we should think about how much of our money is invested locally, whether it's CDFIs, community development financial institutions, or local entrepreneurs, or local mm -hmm. black and brown businesses. Or, uh, you know, I loaned a little bit of money to the South Philly Food Co-op here in Philadelphia. Right? What are the mm -hmm. things that you want to see happen in your own backyard? And is there a way that you can play a role in helping to finance that good? So that's what we do and that's what we're really about because we want to see more of Philadelphia. And when I say Philadelphia, I mean regional. Mm -hmm. uh, more of, the, of our regional wealth invested here in our backyard. Um, we don't necessarily have plans to expand because that's really sort of at our function at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some organizations in the, uh, in, the, in the country and in the world that I've talked to and started to connect with. I don't think anyone has our exact model and, mm -hmm. and breadth of what, what we're doing. Um, but um, uh, you know, there are some other efforts afoot uh, nationally to, as I think people look at impact investing and look at local or place-based investing to how do we encourage more of this and how do we build that ecosystem? Mm. Uh, I think leads to a conversation around what's possible in my own backyard. And here mm. in Philadelphia, uh, I'm particularly excited. Um, I've dubbed the term uh, summer of funds because over the next couple of months here in Philadelphia, there are going to be uh, a number of fund vehicles launching that will make it even easier for people to invest their money locally. Um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, it might, you might say, hey, investing in tech startups, I don't really know how to do that. You know, doing the due diligence and mm -hmm. you know, figuring out what's a good investment or what's not. But if you like the idea of investing in early stage startups that have an impact or social enterprises, uh, you might be willing to invest your money into a fund that can then invest your money for you. And so over the next couple of months, we have funds launching in food justice and social justice and underrepresented founders and black and brown businesses. Um, and so one of our goals and, and uh, value adds to the system mm. is to identify those opportunities and make them easier to find, right? So that when people say, this is, I want to be part of the change. I know I can invest my dollars intentionally, I want to do it with a local lens, mm. there are those opportunities. Um, what, what we've discovered is that in our financial system, those opportunities can be fairly hard to find. Um, mm. They're just, you know, if I want to buy Apple stock, I know where to do that. You know, you go to mm. this, you know, your, your uh, broker and 
you submit the transaction. If you want to invest for local impact, that can be harder to find. And so someone has to do that mm -hmm. groundwork to identify the opportunities, uh, identify the impact and make those more visible. And that's part of what we do here in the ecosystem. Hmm. So it, you know, if if we have listeners um, here that are are based in 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 Philly and are interested in uh, reaching out to you, and I think there are two parts to this. You know, one is a person that's interested in investing, so so and and to get some advice from you, and then the others are are startup companies or other companies that like to be on the list because they think you know we probably would qualify, right? So how do they get in touch with you? And and maybe also the listeners are worried about. It seems you know it sounds all great, but I I don't have the capital, so it might cost a lot of money to go into this, uh, because very often, uh, you know, if as an example, you know, the the the, the organic food uh, in uh, Whole Foods, you know, it's so expensive, you know, I can't. So this might be the same. Can you shed a little bit of light? And in one is how to connect with you, and second is. What are you know some some costs involved then maybe? Sure. So I would say that number one, I don't wherever your audience is based, mm -hmm. uh, I would encourage everyone to think about you know how much your money is invested for mm -hmm. impact. And uh, here in Philadelphia, I think the answer is you know come take a look at our website at, at, at impactphl.org and engage. My email address is Corey C O R Y at impactphl.org. Mm -hmm. um, Certainly happy to get anyone who lives here or is from here or is interested in the Philadelphia ecosystem. And we have now what I call, you know, a menu of dozens of actionable investment opportunities, whether they're direct investments, intentional real estate, mm -hmm. or fund investment vehicles um, to point them toward. So I usually start the conversation with, tell me what issues you care about that you mm -hmm. want a difference in. And then I can kind of be like your sommelier to point you towards a couple of bottles of wine that you might find interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but even if you don't live in Philly, again, you know, there are community development financial institutions throughout the country doing great work. Um, many of them have investment vehicles, um, where they'll pay you a return and deploy your money into women led businesses, black and brown businesses, disinvested communities, et cetera, um, and other opportunities. So I would just make that a general call to action. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would suggest, which kind of goes to, um, you know, your point about how people can invest their money and um, and do it in an intentional way is crowdfunding investing, right? Which is only a few years old, um, but I'm really excited about it because mm -hmm. it gives you another tool, right? So in other words, if you go to your mutual funds or your public stocks, or your 401k plan, right? And you get rid of the bad stuff, that's still fairly macro level, right? Mm -hmm. um, you're getting rid of the issue, you know, I'm just going to make some, you know, you might get rid of fossil fuels or you might get mm -hmm. rid of tobacco or you might get rid of, um, you know, companies that are causing climate change. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's still global or national big picture stuff. Um, but crowdfunding sites like WeFunder or Republic or Honeycomb Credit or Small Change, those are platforms where like, you know, I'll compare them to Kickstarter or GoFundMe because those are crowdfunding sites, but mm -hmm. GoFundMe is really about like someone got sick or someone's house caught on fire. I'm going to donate. Yeah. Kickstarter is more about like, 
I have a project or a, a product I want to create, you know, I'll give you a perk if you contribute to my campaign. But crowdfunding investing is, you know, here's a company that's creating a, a device that I want. Um, so I'll, you know, Inamed here in Philadelphia is creating mm -hmm. an blood, um, uh, uh, you know, blood uh, tool um, for, for clinical diagnoses or uh, Wearwell, which is like stitch fix for women that want sustainable fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, or uh, Mosaic Real Estate Development had a project here in Philadelphia for real estate development um, to redevelop a part of Philadelphia and do it in a very intentional way in mm -hmm. um, you know, a diverse community. And what I love about crowdfunding is, you know, the way our system financially works is if you want money, you need to go to the banks, you need to go to the VC. So there's a very small segment of the population that gets to control what is considered fundable, mm -hmm. right? Whereas with crowdfunding, not only do the people leading those projects, the entrepreneurs get to go to sort of the people, so to speak, and raise mm -hmm. money from the people. But if those projects are successful, who, who profits from it? It's the mm -hmm. people. Right. So it's another way to build wealth in the communities that want to see these projects take root. And I think that's a um, I don't want to say a beautiful thing, but in a way, I do think it's a beautiful thing because, you know, that's another way when we see uh, wealth inequality growing at such a rate. Right. Part of that is mm -hmm. because the people who have the capital get to invest in the things that make the profit and then they benefit from it. Whereas this is a way. And, and just to wrap that up, the, kind of going back to your point is. In most of the crowdfunding investment sites, you can invest as little as $100 into a project, mm -hmm. right? Okay. And so even if you said to me, hey, Corey, I don't really know how to evaluate these projects. That's mm -hmm. not really my thing. There's, there's resources out there. I know WeFunder has a, you know, an angel um, uh, educational course. But you know, if you invest as little as $100 into 10 projects, right? So mm -hmm. that's $1,000 spread. Everybody should know about diversification, right? So mm -hmm. you can hundred dollars into 10 different projects, you know, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. And mm -hmm. so that's a way that most people, um, you know, certainly the middle class and upwards can, uh, invest their money for impact if they want for local impact. And, uh, you know, I, I think about mobilizing the 500 or 5,000 or 50,000 people to invest as little as a hundred bucks into a project. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can get things done that, maybe the, the banks and the VCs don't feel like is, um, you know, something they want to fund. Hmm. You know, I, I was fascinated because I, I, you know, for the listeners, um, who, you know, who know that I'm always trying to, advocate about the you know the need to talk and to aim for the sustainable development goals and and uh, very often you know becomes an abstract uh, conversation because you know how do you break that down i i really think that you have come up with a very interesting and tangible way of of talking about this so can you explain maybe to the listeners in how you uh, incorporated the sdgs in in your work yeah and i think your point about i wonder um, mention a specific tool that I think mm -hmm. I found the same thing you did that as I talked with people about this, they'd be nodding. They would say, this sounds interesting, but it still felt very, very theoretical. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started using a tool called invest your values mm -hmm. by an organization called as you. So as you, so is a nonprofit out in the Bay area 
and their tool is free to use online. You can just Google investor values as you sow, S-O-W. And they rate mutual funds. Um, I think they rate 3,000 or more. I, I don't know if that's right. I think that's a number I remember. So most of the most popular mutual funds, you know, which of course is basically where most people have their 401k invested, right? So if you have a 401k, most if not all your money is invested in mutual funds. And you probably don't know because they're mutual funds, you own a basket of stocks. So it's really hard to keep track of what you own and mm-hmm. it's opaqueness, right? Yeah. So it's hard to see that transparency of what do I actually own and what are those companies doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I think is the beauty of their tool is it makes it very easy for even non-sophisticated investors to better understand what they own. The other thing I love about the tool is that they give you a letter grade. So you don't have to understand PE ratios and alpha and all that jargon. Mm. You tell me what issue you care about and, and then you do a search on the tool for what you own and they give you a report card you know, with letter grades and everybody knows an A is good and an F is bad. So that level of transparency um, and they do it with seven different lenses, what I call lenses. So uh, it's uh, fossil fuels or deforestation, guns and weapons, um, gender discrimination, mm-hmm. uh, and prisons, and I'm forgetting one. Um, but again, it's not this um, vague, you know, ESG, what does that mean? Environmental social governance, right? Mm-hmm. It goes another level deeper to connect it from ESG to gender and environment and prison, you know, uh, mm-hmm. am I invested in mass incarceration? Am I profiting from that? Especially if you're a black person or, you know, women, in, you know, investing in companies that discriminate against them. To me, it's so mm-hmm. nonsensical, right? And if you think about it as an organization, right? If you work for a nonprofit that's in healthcare, mm-hmm. right? Is your 401k that you're offering to your employees, you know, or if you're an employee working for one of those organizations, you know, are you mm-hmm. pretty, and that's nonsensical to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so getting back to your question about the SDGs, we do, we send out for, uh, for local opportunities. So we've mm-hmm. curated a list of investors here in the Philadelphia region have said, this is interesting to me. So when you come across opportunities, um, I'd like to know about them. Um, so we have an email that we send out every month now, and we route all of those investments with the SDGs, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a framework for people to understand what are the issues to help that help alleviate the problems in our world and in my community, and whether it's hunger or poverty or, you know, uh, environmental issues, um, equity, et cetera. And so we take all those opportunities and then we root them in the SDGs. Um, you know, so just so people kind of get familiar with that as a framework. Yeah. Great. You know, this is a spin-off of a 100-mile uh, war campaign that I uh, started doing 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. Um, I, I just would like to ask you, if you were asked to walk 100 miles in a week, so that's 15 to 20 miles a day, uh, for which cause would you walk? When I was thinking about that question, mm-hmm. uh, I think what I really love is if everyone was more self-aware and empathetic. I think that's, those are the issues that create a lot of the problems in our society, um, but it's not exactly a cause. So I think uh, the, the cause would be poverty. I think poverty is at the root of a lot of, um, a lot of the other problems that we're ultimately trying to solve.
um, related, but maybe slightly different. Uh, what drives you? You know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, why? Why do you stand up and go for it? Well, I grew up in poverty, so that's uh, an easy one, um, you know, that uh, makes me connected to the issue. But, you know, selfishly, I feel better about myself working on something that matters. So, um, you know, it's easier. I think ultimately you find things that make you feel good about the work you're doing. Um, that's part of, I think, the key to, to happiness. Um, and so that's really what keeps me going is that, you know, if everyone I talked to was saying, you know, this is stupid, I don't know why you're doing this, um, you know, this doesn't make any sense. But I talk to people on a daily basis now about what we're doing and about, you know, explaining, you know, a lot of the stuff I've already, mm -hmm. you know, uh, relayed to you about what we do. And almost everyone says, this is really interesting. I didn't really think about it that way. Um, you know, I showed them the as you so tool about where their own money is invested and, mm -hmm. you know, and they have an aha look on their face. Uh, and then the idea that you can invest your money locally for impact is really interesting to people. So I really feel like there's a, a missing link that we are serving as an organization that is very important to me, but also we're getting good feedback about it, that, that people want it and it's, um, it's useful to them. Hmm. So that makes it easier for me to wake up and mm -hmm. go back at it and, you know, continue to try to uh, add value. During my both actually my physical walks as well as my virtual walks, we often talk about you know uh, what's the meaning of life and and then you know uh, we talk about religion and spirituality, um, and then very often also that the next generation, this younger generation actually you know uh, maybe is experiencing uh, religion spirituality in a different way. And some people say yes, that's true, and others say no. So what I would like to ask you is. Um, from where you are, uh, you know, where you're sitting, what do you see happening among youth in your community in terms of religion and spirituality? Yeah, I, I think the data shows that more young people are not religious um, across, and I think that's across most, if not all religions. Um, so, you know, I, I think the, uh, if you are religious, I think it's easier to feel like this is all part of the plan if you believe in a higher power and that that higher power has a plan for you or will make sure things are okay or at a minimum that you know maybe they're trying to you know this is a, a, a learning lesson or you know a test of some sort um and i think it's easier if you are religious to relax a little bit and let go right um and if you're not you know then I think it, it leads to more anxiety, you know, and more stress uh, because, you know, I, I often think about, are we creating a society that allows people to be the happiest, healthiest, best version of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And with everything that's going on in the world, I think there is a lot of, you know, tension and stress and anxiety. So, you know, I think as, as more people are less religious, then there becomes this, you know, 
negative outcome where people feel on their own, feel disconnected. And again, I think there's, there's a lot of contributing factors, including social media, where people are looking mm-hmm. at and comparing to other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, theoretically, they're connected to more people, but, you know, they're not really in a personal or deep kind of way. So um, I think that's, that's something I think about. I'm not sure I know the solution or the answer, mm-hmm. but uh, I do feel like there's a little bit of that, combine that with the fact that, you know, things are getting more expensive, you know, education, housing, mm-hmm. Healthcare and um, you know your own retirement. You know, a couple of generations ago you had a pension. Now you got to save for yourself. Healthcare is getting more expensive. Housing is getting more expensive. So young people are, you know, sort of tuning out and saying, you know what, that that plan that was followed by previous generations, um, that carrot's not worth chasing for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna opt out and I'll I'll go a different route. Um, and you know that route often is unmapped so they they have that Mm -hmm. that uh you know eternal worry about you know things Mm -hmm. let us us piggyback a little bit on that worry because you mentioned a couple of things uh yeah what do you worry most about at this moment yeah, I think it comes back to my my own personal worries tend to sort of align with the, the, the higher level, you know, societal worry. The social infrastructure that allows you to focus on pursuing your best self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if your healthcare is tied to where you work, um, you know, and you have to worry about, okay, well, even and even some wealthier people I know that have done well in life are saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'm one big illness away from going bankrupt, mm-hmm. right? Uh, saving for retirement when you don't know how long you're going to live and what, how, you know, what the cost of living is going to be, and, you know, making sure you have enough, you know, and um, some, you know, some of those other issues, I think, just cause people to always be sort of insecure in some way, shape, or form. And I won't pretend to know all the answers to all of mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm not an economist and, but, you know, I tend to think about how, how can we create a place where people can focus on understanding that, you know, it is a, an economy and people need to work and contribute. And, you know, we can't have jobs that are just going out and playing with the dog all day. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think about that sense of worry and stress. Um, same thing goes for, modern parenting, you know, modern mm. parenting here in the U S I think about it as attempted organized chaos. Mm. You, know, you're, you don't have the, it takes a village approach. You're kind of on your own. Childcare is, a, you know, basically a mortgage payment. Um, you know, and then you got two working parents that are look at a working parent these days and they're just exhausted. And so, you know, are they on top of it mentally, emotionally, and physically and single parenting? you know, forget about it. It's, that's kind of where my mind goes. Mm -hmm. Um, as I think about, you know, society and looking around at my friends and colleagues and their day-to-day existence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
although you know although we just met for the first time today i i still think that you are still hopeful um you know about a lot of things so can you share about that uh the hopes that you still have you see the hope yeah, that you think, see you know i think this goes back to my comment about covid climate change black lives matter um you know just the idea that those big cracks have um shown people that maybe previously or even the you know the middle the conflict with israel and palestine i, I heard a story recently of someone leaning into that conversation maybe I, again, I think if, if we can all just sort of think about and, and our assumptions and think about our positions, um, mm -hmm. be more open-minded, you know, about is, am I positive I'm right? Or maybe is there a different way to look at this? Mm -hmm. um, and then try to find ways to have those conversations. I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, but I think there are more people now uh, leaning into those conversations than prior. And so mm -hmm. I think that's the hope is that, and, and Brian Stevenson, I think was right on when he, you know, said proximity is a key to all of this, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's rich and poor, it's white and black, it's, you know, the, the white flight to the suburbs, it's easy to walk away from a problem you don't see every day, mm -hmm. right? But when it's in your community and you have to see it and you have to interact with people, it's harder to ignore those issues and just blame them on somebody else or somebody else's problem or somebody else's problem to fix. So I'm hopeful that we'll be more um, engaged with each other. A lighter question. I, I, you know, I, music is very important for me, for me, um, and it has become maybe, maybe even more important during the last year or so. Um, if I would ask you to mention a song or a piece of music that embodies you for a big part, um, you know, which song or piece of music would that be? Yeah. Well, I. I'm not answering your question, but I have to give a shout out to Digital Underground because um, they're my favorite group, uh, very musical hip hop group. And Shock G, their um, lead and founding member, recently passed. Um, so that that um, to shout out on that front. Um, but I think in terms of songs, I might go one of two ways. One mm -hmm. is, and they're very different um, in terms of genre. One is "That's Life" by Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. um, just the ability to get back up um, after life throws your curveball. Mm -hmm. And hip hop and rap is my favorite music. So I tend to try to be grateful even on that, you know, days when things aren't going right. Um, and so today was a good day by Ice Cube. Hmm. Just be happy for the little things. Reminder that, you know, we each have things we can be grateful for. Great. Thanks. And, and I, I would like to, well, tell you and, and remind our listeners that, there is a playlist uh, on Spotify that actually has, has all the songs that were recommended by my guests. So, so it's quite interesting. It's from classical to rap to um, heavy metal. Uh, so it's, it, it's becoming a pretty cool list from my point of view. It's, it's uh, yeah, um, ch check it out if you have time. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And that's, you, you can uh, search for hashtag walk, talk, listen, and then the playlist should come up. And Corey, 
you know, I work for an organization, an NGO that, uh, you know, kind of yeah celebrates its 75th anniversary. So we use this time also to look back at, uh, you know, how did we do? And, and one of the areas is how did we do around racial justice? Um, the question that I have for you is, how do you think the NGO sector as a whole, which is difficult maybe, you know, to generalize, I, I, I get that, but I'm still asking the question, how did the NGO sector do? If you have to give a, a grade, uh, yeah. On racial justice? Yes. That's a, that's a hard question. Um, and I, you know, I guess the first thing I would say is it, it's hard to answer in a, at, at a macro level. Um, mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest, my instinct is we can celebrate our wins and we can celebrate progress. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine last year um, about the Black Lives Matter movement. And they were saying, I think this is it. I think this was the time. I think this is what's going to do it. And I, I, I'm not trying to be negative, but, you know, I, I said, you know, there was a guy called Martin Luther King that got a lot of attention. Hmm. And that was a long time ago. So we, we've made progress then and, and since then and now, but I'm eager for, for that change. And I'm also going to channel at the same time, a friend of mine, so I, I, I'm not answering your question, but I'm saying like, I'm eager for this to be a not, you know, to be, to, to, to address this issue and get mm-hmm. it fixed. And at one time I'm anxious and eager to get there, but also a, a good friend of mine here in Philadelphia runs an organization called Coded by Kids, uh, Sylvester Mobley, mm-hmm. uh, who they're doing fantastic work. Um, Sylvester started teaching kids how to code in local rec centers. And now he's built a big, fantastic organization here in the Philadelphia region. But, you know, he said, hey, people want this to be fixed overnight. They want to throw, you know, they, they, they want to throw some money at it and make it go away. And this thing took hundreds of years to create, and it's not going to be fixed overnight. So that's my circuitous non-answer mm-hmm. to your question is I'm ready for it to be fixed, but I also recognize it's not going to be fixed overnight. But we need to um, keep applying um, our work and our pressure on a daily basis to otherwise it's it'll take even longer to fix thank you um yeah we, we've come to my last question to you or, or and that is maybe not a question could be a question um any message last message invitation or question that you have for the listeners yeah i, I guess i just go back to my reminder that the i'd argue outside of your vote the biggest tool you have is about you know, where your money is invested because we are, we live in a capitalist society and, you know, whether you're a customer or an employee or a business owner or an investor, or you sit on the board of a foundation, our, our society tends to listen to where the money is. And so mm-hmm. I think we all have levers to pull. If you're mm-hmm. a wealthy person that sits on a board and owns a business and you got your own personal money, you have multiple levers, right? And mm-hmm. if you're uh, employee with a 401k plan, you know, maybe only have one lever, but that tends to be what gets the attention is when, um, you know, when the people with money and the people who want your money, um, that tends to be what gets their attention in terms of the issues, um, outside of our government, our voting and our elected officials. So I would really just encourage people, 
to better understand that. Um, because mm -hmm. I think what I've seen over the last couple of years is, I mentioned this earlier, our financial system can be very opaque. And I think it's easier to go back to proximity and visibility and understanding how we create change. Opaqueness doesn't lend to that. So mm -hmm. um, if you understand that, and again, I think starting with the As You Sow Investor Values Tool is a great eye-opener for people. Very, very easy, very accessible, and it's completely free. And it'll take you five, five to 10 minutes to do that. That's the on-ramp, I think. I'd like to, to thank you for your wisdom, sharing of your experiences and your story and, and, and your time. I've, I've actually learned a lot, and I'm, I'm sure our listeners as well. And uh, yeah, we will make sure that there are notes and, and where people can find you. Um, thank you for today and, and good luck with everything you do. Thanks for having me, Maurice, and good luck to you as well. Thanks. for listening to walk talk listen please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on facebook or instagram and last but not least i would like to ask your attention to the ration challenge as some guests of the podcast walk talk listen together with me and my wife will take the ration challenge and that means we will eat the same rations as a syrian refugee for a week to raise money and save lives and by raising money and if you support uh, the ration challenge you'll bring emergency food health care and life-saving support to the people who need it most so if i could ask you for a big favor go to rationchallengeusa.org slash walk talk listen then you will find our donation page and if you can support us or at least share the information that would be so great Thank you so much. Ration Challenge USA.org slash walk talk listen.